so I sent uh, Jamie a picture of the two of us from like uh, some red carpet or like whatever it was, whatever we did, like a premiere or something. And I remember you texted me back, uh, oh, if I could just go back to this time for one week. Yeah. And, and then like, I remember thinking like, why? Like, do you want to do it exactly the same and relive everything the exact same? Or do you, are you like, oh, I want with what I know now. Yes. I want to, with my perspective now. So what, what do you think? What, why would it be different? <sighs> um, I think, I mean, I think, I feel like I keep saying this, but I, I feel like I like who I am better now. I feel like I have done like so much work on myself and I feel, I was so insecure back then. I was just like a ball of insecurity. And How old were you guys in in this specific photo? Probably, I was probably 20. So I was 24? Yeah. Uh, so I also had just gotten through a divorce. So it was just like a very fragile time. And I just felt like for so much of my life, even though I, we were living like this very like strange, like obscure, crazy, incredible thing, I was very sheltered and like very kept and always told what to do and how to, what to say and how to approach things. And, um, I was like basically like Bambi on like my new legs of like trying to figure out who I was in the world without being instructed what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, what's so sense? weird. Like that's one, like something I hate about people. And like, I never felt that about you because I, I would, I hit it so well. You're a great actress. There you go. Yeah. How do you go through? I mean, you're supposed to you're supposed to be awkward and you're supposed to go through like times where you really don't know who you are, you know, and I, some people spend more time in that phase than others. I, mm-hmm. I feel like I spent a lot of time <laughs> in that phase. Too long? Yeah. And, you know, I think that's, you know, without sounding super cliche, but that's what your journey is, right? And yeah. it'd be cheating to go back of course. with all, your, you know. And to relate just, this to video games, because I really like to do this, it's like you beat a video game and you have your character maxed out, his specs are maxed out, <laughs> and then you can go back and play the video game again with all your current powers, uh-huh. and it's a lot easier. Of course. And there's really no teachable moment in any of it. Really? See, I get satisfaction guys. from that, where I'd be like, watch how fast I can get It's more fun. Levels. Yeah, it's more fun. But when you compare the two playbacks, the first playback, everything is so new and you're like, oh, wow, I I can defeat this guy using this strategy. And everything's like, oh, that's the first time I've seen that. And that's uh, more interesting in the stories unfolding in this way. Whereas when you go back with the second pair of eyes and the the more maxed out character, it's like, well, I know what's going to happen here, even though I can defeat it much more quickly and um, get through this whole game in like a third of the time. It's a little less of a, an actual learning experience, right? Yes. Of I, I, I think you guys, you guys, you guys sound like you're hard on yourself. Well, maybe you more so. Rob, Rob seems to just like, you were just kind of like a bag in the wind. I feel like you just went wherever the wind blew you. I was just like, as long as there's drinks there, I'm fine. Yeah. You know, like as long as I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If there's an open bar, like I'm, there was never, you know. You know what's funny, Rob, is I feel like, you and I grew up obviously very differently, but I, I feel like, and tell me if I'm wrong, you always came across to me where you 
you just, no matter where you were, it's like you, you felt supported. You felt like you belonged. You felt like you had a place and you felt supported. And the way I grew up was like, you know, like I said, like not sheltered, but just like overly paid attention to. And it, I felt the opposite. Like I always, I just was, I, I, I hit it well, but I just always was questioning my worth and my value. But that's what alcohol is. Right. So you think it was the alcohol? Well, no, it's like as soon as I felt like I didn't belong somewhere, I would have three drinks and it's mm. like, yeah, I fucking belong here. I belong everywhere. You know, like it was oh. like you just you're never like now if I'm in a situation where I'm uncomfortable, I remove myself from the situation where before it was like, oh, I'm at, you know, this place. I'm uncomfortable or a birthday party or this. And it's like, oh, well, uh, tequila on the rocks. And then you have three of those. And then like it's funny because like when I when I think about all the anxiety medication I took or all the, you know, when, when you're taking painkillers and you, and you, you need them, you wake up the next day and after a few hours, you're like, okay, I need to have these. It's like alcohol takes all everything away. It took, it took that away. It took like, like there would be times where it's like, it's like, man, at four o'clock, I'm going to start feeling anxiety. Like I know it's going to be right around there. And then it's like, you have three drinks and it just erases all of it. And it's the same thing with social anxiety, clinical anxiety, whatever. Like for me, any situation I was in, if I had three drinks, I either didn't care or it made it all better. See, I'm not, uh, the reason why I've never liked drinking is I'm the opposite. It'll mm. just amplify like all of the negative shit. Drinking will. Really? Mm-hmm. See, it's yeah. like when you say like. Way more emotional. Like I'm a fun, like when I, if I'm like with my friends, like I'm a fun drunk. I'm not like, like Cutter even said that to me. Like when we first hung out, he's like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things I love about you, but like, it's kind of cool that like when you get a little bit fucked up, like you're still fun. Like you don't get angry. You don't cry. You don't yeah, get like. You're a normal. You're not annoying. Person. You know? Yeah. Like I, I get like. Normie. I get, I'm a normie. Yeah. Because, you know, and, and I had that feeling too, whether it's like the first time I smoked pot or or drinking it's like when you take that first hit or you're within that like third to fifth beer sort of gap you're like oh this is the guy i should be at right. all times i am super mm-hmm. charismatic i'm mm-hmm. funny mm-hmm. everyone gives a shit about what's what i have to say mm-hmm. i look good you know mm-hmm. and um <laughs> but good. you know something <laughs> something about what you said rob was like now you when you get uncomfortable you remove yourself right like Do if you it's ever, like if it's to the point where I'm like, I I can't like, obviously there's some things where it's just like, all right, I got to push through. But if it's like, yeah, if what I is find an example myself- of you pushing through, I guess is like, cause that's important. I think being sober is finding yourself in those situations where you used to have to like be altered to get through. Were you sober at my wedding? Uh, yeah. Did you feel like you had to push through that a little bit? I imagine that being a kind of a difficult weekend, not just, be, just because it's just like a lot. Yeah, but you know what's funny? It's like I feel like there's so – I've been to weddings where like, you know, the kind of attitude around the wedding or like, you know, they're friends of yours and you know like once they're not around and your friends are around, you're like, oh, this is just ridiculous. You know, like you're like this is going to last like two or three years or whatever or what is he doing or what is she doing or like – and also like I was – I traveled to California for your wedding and I hate traveling so much. So it's like normally uh, I I would be miserable and just be angry being like, listen, you're doing this for a friend. Just do it. But I I remember I took a Uber from 
uh, LAX to Palm Springs. Palm Springs. Wow, that's an experience. And I remember sitting in the car, looking out the window, and I was just smiling like the whole time. And I was like, because I know, like, I don't have the feeling at all, like, you have to do this. You have to push it. You ha- it's like, I, I'm so happy that I get to be here for you and like be here on this day. And I'm so happy that like in the place that you're in and everything. And then like, but the uncomfortable part probably comes at like, you know, 11 o'clock at night when everybody's like dancing and screaming. And, and I'm like, in my head, I'm like, oh yeah, I used to love that. This was my yeah. favorite part yeah. of the night where now I'm looking And I had an 80s cover band. Yeah. You know? And it was very like, like I had a good time and like I danced a little and whatever, but like I knew it used, it would have been like, you know, this would have been my favorite part of the night where for me, I was like, all right, like, I guess, you know. Did you go home that round then? Uh, no, I think I, I went to your room after. Yeah, like I was, I was, because there was like an outside area where like I went, I could talk to Ron. I could, right. you know, it wasn't like so extreme. Our I friend think, Ron, our mutual friend, Ron Berkowitz. Yeah. <laughs> the one and only. Yeah. We, uh. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just curious. Well, first of all, I love you. And like a lot of what you said, like just saying what you said about being in the car ride is so much about what I love about you. And I'm sure Kasim, you can feel the same way. Like what you love, like he's, he's so genuine when he says things like that and means things like that and can really feel things like that for people he really cares about. And like, that's something I don't think like, I think very few people know about you. Well, yeah. there's also very few people I feel that way about. So it's sure, like, like, but that's like, why it's special. When I when I think in my head, what comes to mind is like you and Rex. You know, like my best friend Aww. Rex has been my best friend for thirty years. Sergeant Rex is he sergeant? Yeah, he's something like wow. that. We probably don't want to say that, right? We we don't want to. We don't want to get him well, in any trouble. Called, but yeah, that's just a sergeant nickname, Rex. Sergeant Rex. <laughs> but uh, I just I love him so much that it's like anything that he has like I would never like he's never asked me to borrow money or do anything like that but if he did I wouldn't look at it at all as like a uh you know like he's your day one I mean he's been around since season one premiere I remember yeah like to be 34 years old and have a friend for 30 years who's like been my best friend like it's and I'm just I'm so grateful all the time and I'm thankful and it's like there's you know it's weird when you're young. Like I remember my dad saying shit to me like when I was 14 or like, you know, when you change schools from like middle school to high school and you're like, oh, well, my, my friends are going here. And he's like, you'll know none of those people in 10 years, you know? And like you're, that was always like my dad's attitude of like, you know how many people I speak to from fucking junior high school? He's like, no right. one. Like you're not going to know, you know, you're going to grow up and you're going to this. And like I think he's right about that. But I think the reason is like. When you were 12, 13, 14, especially like growing up in New York City, I remember all my friends had the same thing in common, which was like, all we want to do is get out of our apartment, you know? So it's like, as soon as you wake up, hey, where are you? What is, you know, all summer? What are you doing? What time? Okay, let's meet there. And then when you turn 18 or 20 or however old you are, when you get your own place, all of a sudden you're like, oh, I fucking love this. Like, I'm not trying to get out of here. So all of a sudden you're not spending as much time with your best friends as because like I look back at me and Rex and like I love him as much as ever but it's like I look back at 16 17 18 I'm like we were together every day yeah you know where it's like I still love him as much but now it's like you're an adult you have your own place that you're not trying to figure out a way to get out of Mm -hmm. all the time so I think like my dad kind of told me like you know those friends go away and like a kind of like a way of like you're not going to know them because th- these friendships are bullshit or fake or this where it's like 
now it's like when you, I just think when you grow up, it's so like, you know, and there's that weird area where like, I think my late twenties is probably the time where that, that started to change, you know? Cause when I turned 18, 19 and I moved out, it was like, I want my friends over every day, you know, everyone's over, we're hanging out. And now that like, I'm not drinking, I'm getting older, I'm this, I'm kind of like, man, I I don't, I would, I would, it would try. So when I turned 18, I had seven to eight friends in my apartment all day, every day. Where now, if there were seven or eight people in my oh. apartment, it would. And also, like, you know, it's it's hard to understand for people who, uh, you know, don't live in New York City. It's like you, we're living in my first apartment was probably six, seven hundred square feet, maybe. And we would have eight 18 year olds drinking, smoking everything in there all night where now it's like a lot you know if you think like eight people in the house it's not that bad but we were so crammed Mm -hmm. and and it was like i want nothing else you know i was like i love this so much i love it where now like i think about if there were eight people in my apartment i would be freaking out just because it's your stuff your stuff has more value you're worried about no i don't care about that at all it's more like it's just like it's just an anxiety of like I don't know. Like, I, I don't, I, I'm not the type of person who now enjoy Like, if I have one person over, it's fine. Like, I don't even think about it. But, like, if there were eight people in my apartment, I just wouldn't, I can't, I can't chill. You mm. know? Like, do you like having people over? Yeah. Or you, you love uh, having people of, over? But no matter, most. no matter how many it is? Yeah, but you know what I'm trying to be con- conscious of is that um, I clean, like, nonstop. Mm. And then I'll find people being like, oh, sorry, do you not want me to? And I was like, no, oh, I, do I don't too. give a shit what you do. I truly don't like don't mm-hmm. spill shit on my like carpet. Like, that would be nice. But like, I don't care what you do. Like, but it's just if I see something on the floor, I have to pick it up. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't like look at a bunch of chips that are sitting on the floor and be like, eh, I'll clean it later. I'll be like, I'll get on my hands and knees and like put them in a little ball and get a wet paper towel and like pick them up. And I know I make people uncomfortable. When I do that, because they're like, sorry, sorry. I'm like, no, please. I wish there could be like a sign at the front being like, mm-hmm. I don't give a fuck about the mess you make. Please excuse me that I am Cinderella and I just want to clean up after everybody all day because it gives me I'm joy. very much the same way. I think some of my most memorable moments are doing dishes while my friends are standing in the kitchen. Mm-mm. Like maybe we just had dinner. And like the, I'm, I'm cleaning up because it's normally a chore I do alone, you know, where it's like podcasts are in and I'm just like doing dishes. Yeah. But the fact that people are in the kitchen and I'm like sharing a moment, it almost feels like I'm not really doing dishes, but I am cleaning, <laughs> but also I'm still having friend time. Well, it's like a live podcast. Yeah. yeah. Cleaning your dishes. I, there, there's something therapeutic about it. Uh, yeah. To me. I'm with you. And I have like a pre when before friends come over, I do do like a a two-stage vacuum. Yeah. Oh, I, wow. I set the Roomba loose in my room, close the door. <laughs> then I come out with the corded Dyson vac and then I do the carpets and then I take the cordless Dyson vac <laughs> and do the hot spots, in, you know. Very into And your clean pocket. the couch cushions on the outdoor couch, on the patio couch. Wow. Because it's dog hair, you right? you come over before there's my a lot next of dog, party? There's a lot of dog hair, but yeah, I, there's also trees and trees got a lot of leaves. Lot it's of tree leaves. season. Mm. I sucked up this is what I do with my spiders. I don't catch them and release them. I suck them up in my Dyson 
and I keep them in the can. As- <laughs> I, you like to see your prizes? I, I, I like to see like them. pets. And you know I like to have, know like, that they're captured. bug sucker things. Like, Do they? Like a mini. Yeah, I'll get it for you. I saw I, Cutter put it in my ju- stocking one Christmas. Oh, oh I'd uh, love. I clearly share you. And you know what's, what I will want for Christmas this year then. Noted. There was such a juicy guy yesterday on my patio, on my couch. It took... If you have a, a cordless Dyson vac, there's two modes. There's yeah. regular suction and there's high power max yeah. suction. <laughs> I had to switch For modes like <laughs> to suck this guy up. He got wow. stuck halfway up the tube. He was. You could see him like with his. <laughs> I used the long nozzle uh, attachment, and you could see him like looking at me in the eyes with his arms over the like holding on to the edge. Like I'm not going, man. <laughs> and I finally, he had to give out. Like you know, at the uh, the beginning part of Cliffhanger was Sylvester Stallone. You just couldn't hang on, and he just got he fell right in. Uh, so right now he's uh, in my canister. Um, dead. Living out the end of his days. You know, oh, he's not. I don't think he's dead yet. It's actually very to- because I do vacuum horrible. up other things Good. like mosquitoes that I catch flying around. So there could be food in there for him. You catch them in the air with the vacuum. I hate them. Yeah. <laughs> if they're <laughs> around, you need to talk to my husband because yeah, I the will. amount mm-hmm. of bug zapping things he has. Or- There's been a yeah. mosquito issue in Los Angeles. I don't know. Have, have you? Yeah. Okay. I'm have, feeling it. Okay. I'm feeling it right now. So that's why there's so many spiders come up from the Gulf of Mexico. It's just been an invasion. So we're importing mosquitoes. Yes. And they are carrying Ugh. diseases and sicknesses. Mm-mm. And I they love me because I'm O positive blood type. Mm. So we have the Flotron. We have two Flotrons that are hung. We have the tennis those racket zappers. zapping thing that yeah. you can just zap them, swing it around. I you have one of those. Pulls anything that's around you. Yep. Then we have a night thing. I forget what it's called. We plug it in at night. We leave it in the kitchen. It puts this beautiful purple light. And when a bug gets close to the gorgeous light, as it will or should... A fan sucks it in. Ooh, I need. So in the morning, we I need the Amazon little, link. And we have flies tape all over our windows. It's our house looks disgusting <laughs> because there's basically it's a fly twenty emporium. different ways to catch a fly, a mosquito, moth. Yeah, maybe um, that's why people think you're like a clean freak too, right? They come over and they see like all these. Probably, but you know what actually bothers me more than anything when people like feel bad or want to clean for me is because I think that they do it because of my MS where they, cause I don't see anyone else doing mm. that at somebody else's house right. where they're like, don't worry, I'll do your dishes or don't worry. And I know they're trying to be good friends. So I'm not trying to not, I love my people. I love my friends. They are my family. They take the greatest care of me, but I get a little resentful because I'm like, I don't like when people take responsibility away from me that I can still do. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So we we've because we brought up you have MS on here, but have we really talked about like how it affects you and what it means? Because it's different to everybody, right? Yeah. Let's talk about the MS, but let's get back to the fly thing after. I think that's pretty well, important. Well, what do you want to I mean, they're both very relevant. Casim is all perked important. up, and it wasn't the six coffees. He's just really Look, to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I, under, yeah, I understand you have here. MS, but also like <laughs> on the salt gun for the flies. But look, I don't look, know about that. No, we'll get to it after, Jamie. This is important. <laughs> Um, okay. So, uh, uh, MS stands for multiple sclerosis for anyone that doesn't know it's a neurological disease. And the way that I can explain it best is, uh, 
you have an electrical cord, right? And there's plastic coating around it. So the signal can go from this microphone to the outlet, to the wall. So the electricity knows where to send the signal. So we all have that in our nerves, like that go from our spine and our brain to all our limbs and our body parts. To, so our brain can tell them how to move, where to move, when to move, whatnot. And a re- the plastic coating we have around these nerves is something called myelin. And when you have MS, uh, the body think, looks at itself as a disease and attacks itself. And so why it's different for everyone is it attacks different areas for everyone. And it eats at this myelin sheath, this protective coating. So there's little holes. And over time, the holes can get bigger or they can get bad enough where they people lose complete function. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, I've never lost complete function. I have um, the right side of my body is weaker than my left. Everything affects me from my waist down. My cognitively, my brain, my hands, my upper body, my speech, everything completely fine, which I'm very grateful for because in the grand scheme of my life and what I do for a living and what I value most, like that would greatly affect everything much greater than the way my MS affects me now. Um, but the, my things is, uh, I haven't been able to run in 12 years, haven't really been able to wear high heels for 10 years. And that might not seem like anything, but as a woman, it does make you feel great. And I miss that. Um, you say the last time you ran was on Sopranos. It sounds very poetic and I, and it's, and dramatic, but the very last thing we shot was me running into the Holstens in the finale and I on my children's life the next day I went to go run to hail a cab and my leg wouldn't go and it's the most bizarre feeling to have had so much of your life of have ability and remember it like in your in your core like I remember what it feels like to run and dance and move and I can get up from a chair and think I'm going to fucking run across this room. Yeah. It's all I want to do. And my body just stopped. That's got to be so frustrating. It's very yeah. frustrating. Um, no, I've lived with it 18 years and it's still very frustrating. I fight it every day, which is why I think I am still independent and I am as well as I am. I don't use a walking device. Um, I ha- It's like I have a gas tank every day and I know mm. what I've got and I allot it accordingly. So if I know I'm going to be filming, I've got to have my nanny a lot more hours because wrangling my bucking Bronco of a baby and my six-year-old and being on the floor with them and playing with them as much as I love to do it, like my energy is needed elsewhere. Um, And if I know I'm going to like go out and have a great time with my friends, like, and you know, I'll say to Cutter, like, you got to let me sleep in tomorrow or, Mm -hmm. you know, you got to let me chill at some point during the day, things like that. So it's, it's manageable. Um, I think my emotional journey with this disease has been far greater than the physical. Um, and I've actually sort of turned this corner where I'm at this place where I'm actually looking more about what it's given me than what it's taken away. Because mm-hmm. I actually think it's given me like a whole lot more than what it's taken away because mm-hmm. science is amazing and wonderful. And I believe in modern medicine and I actually don't have a doubt that I'm going to get better. Like I, like I know it. Um, but I don't want my 
probably 20 years that it'll end up being living with like intensely with this disease to have been in vain. Like I want it to have meant something mm-hmm. and understanding like a lot more about life and myself had I not had it. And I don't think, I don't, I don't think, I, I think I'm a much better person for it. What's the number one thing you think it's given you? Um, self-awareness. Like, I think I was just so, it's almost like what I was talking about with when I was so insecure of just so hyper aware of everyone and everything. And like, I was just living out there all the time and like what was next and what this person thought and that person thought and reliving conversations. And like MS really brought me in because I'd had to like think about how to take a step. Like I can't walk across the room without thinking, pick up your foot, pick up your foot, pick up your foot, pick up your foot. Well, it probably brought you in so much more too because you hid it for so long, right? So you couldn't, holy shit. Well, yes, and that too. I hid it for 16 years. I mean, Rob knew, I think I told you maybe a year or two after I got diagnosed. Uh, Yeah, I don't don't know how old you were. I think I told, I think I How old were you when you found out? I was 20 when I found out. But you were- So what season of the show was that? Four. Okay, so you you had to, you hid it from your castmates, and you had to. Yeah, I, the only ones I ever told was Rob, James Gandolfini, Edie Falco, Aida Totoro, and Drea DiMatteo. Those are the only ones I knew. Was there, and I feel like maybe there, the, you did a podcast where you kind of talked a little bit about this, and I want to give that a plug as well, and not ask the same questions, but was there a moment where you... Something happened where you had to, where you first told somebody? Um, so with Edie, we were on a photo shoot. It was like, we were done filming, but I think we were doing like, a bu- we would do a bunch of photo shoots leading up to the premiere, like for TV Guide, for Entertainment Weekly. And we would all be, it would be the family and the, the core cast. Mm-hmm. And I think she pulled me aside to tell me that she had breast cancer and that she's like, this is a wig. I've been wearing a wig this whole season. Because remember, we didn't really know for a while. She hid it. Hmm. She, I mean, the producers knew and obviously hair and makeup and whatnot, but she, she fought through it while filming and she was incredible. And it just, it was this like moment where I was like, <gasps> it was like a door was open and I just wanted to share. I was like, Oh my God. Like I had, I, I never could imagine that somebody else would hide something. I thought I was like a loser Mm -hmm. and like a weak person that I had to hide this things. Like I was so afraid of judgment or being fired or, or just immediately being cast aside that I didn't share it. And seeing like this woman that I looked up to more than most, like telling me that she was battling through a health thing and still living and working and was still supported. It just felt like a moment for me to share. Um, and then I actually don't remember the moment I told you. Do you? I don't remember. I'm going to have to like really sit and think. I, I mean, I remember f- you were young. I mean, you were probably 17 or 18 when I told you. Yeah, if you were if you were 20? Oh no, you you found out when you were 20. Yeah, but I probably wouldn't have told you 12, maybe I was 21, 22. So you were probably 17 years old. Yeah. Uh with Jim, I was struggling greatly at work because I was going through a divorce, which I was also hiding. And my MS was acting up a lot. 
for the first time because of all the stress I had in my life. And I was being told at work that I wasn't putting in good work and that I needed an acting coach. And it was just like, I felt like my entire world was falling apart. Mm. Like my body was falling apart. My marriage fell apart. Everyone at work thought I sucked. Like I just like, I just, I couldn't get a grasp on things. I wasn't talking to my parents at the time. Um, because they were talking to my ex-husband when I had asked them not to. They were communicating mm. with him when I asked them not to. Because I remember we didn't, I, I didn't know anything. Like you you were keeping things hidden. And then you, you filled me in on some stuff. It wasn't sure. But then I remember it all came out because you started crying at a read-through. Do you remember that? I think Tony Sirico like literally just came up to you and was like, how you doing, sweetie? And you just fucking broke down. And then like it was kind of no, like. No, it was a photo shoot. Oh, was it? Yes. I thought it was a read through. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. You're probably right. You have a better memory. No, the photo shoot was when I had to defer from college. Right. <laughs> so, and I I'm remember. Such a drama queen, you guys. <laughs> it was so like, because like the, the read throughs were like the happiest times yeah. for us, you know, because it was like, yes. there were so many people on the show that we would we quote unquote worked with that we would never work with. Yes. Like Lorraine Bracco, we were never in a scene with her. So mm-hmm. it's like, people are like, oh, you worked with Lorraine for 10 years. It's like, well, I didn't work with her once. You yeah, know? I like, saw her read through and yeah, parties. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the thing. It was like, we would get together at these read throughs and there would be 30 or 40 of us and it was everybody and nobody was working. So like, every, like people were literally in pajama pants and just like hanging out yeah. and sitting around. Everybody's eating before and laughing and having a good time. And then I remember turning around and just saw Jamie Lynn, like just tears flowing down her face and Tony Sirico with like the shrug of like, I don't, I don't what know. Do I do? Yeah. And then it was just like, what? So that was, that was just everything. Huh? It just all came to a head. It just all, I just... I was trying so hard to hold it all together because I think, like I said, I had felt so insecure. I was just, I felt like I don't want to have like another issue for them to deal with. I was trying to hold it all because I didn't want to be a problem. I just wanted to be the easy person that nobody had to worry about. And now all of a sudden, like they had to worry about everything. Do you know what I mean? And, or I had to worry about everything if they only knew and I remember Jim gave me his acting coach, James Gandolfini, and paid for her to work with me. And I confided in her. And then on set one day, he pulled me aside and he's like, you're not okay. And I was like, I'm not. How was it affecting you at, at this time? Like MS? MS? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't hold my bladder. So I was running to the bathroom all mm-hmm. the time. And people thought I was like really annoying or probably had like a coke habit or something. But I really like literally couldn't hold my bladder. Um, and uh, that was really it. And like uh, after after walking for like 40 minutes in New York City, because I walked everywhere, my foot would start to like, it was called like a foot drop where it like, Instead of like smoothly walking through your foot, like your toes would just drop drastically. Right. So um, when Jim said you're not okay, it was more so like the everything else. It was like the- you're not yourself. You're not right. Like something's off. And I remember he pulled me to the side and he was like, "What's up?" And I told him I was like, "I have MS and I'm going through a divorce." And he's like, "Oh." Mm. And I Whoa. think everyone thinks I suck. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I was like, and I fucking <laughs> suck. And I remember him. There was a scene, we had scenes where he, when his character was in a coma 
And Robert and I, you had a scene too, where like we're talking to him where he was, you know, and I, my character had this scene where I was reading him a poem and I would like hold his hand and after each take, he would squeeze it. And then when it was done, I remember he got up and he's like, wasn't she great just now? Wasn't she, wasn't she fucking awesome? It makes me cry right now to think about just because it's just like. I don't know whether he meant it or not, but he was just really, he, he, no, you know what I mean? Like he just, he really, he cared in like the way you care, Rob, like the most genuine way, like not an outwardly showy way. Like it wasn't fake. There was nothing fake about him. There's nothing fake about you. It's just, it's just so pure. And so, and it just means so much more. And so from that moment when after I shared it with Rob and then Edie and then him, the then the next two years that we had in the show, because my symptoms weren't apparent and you couldn't tell anything, it, it felt just like a safe place because sometimes all I needed was like, a, hey, you okay? I'm like, I'm good. Like, that's all I needed was just the comfort of knowing that somebody knew. And I think that's what got me through the 16 years of hiding it was because just I had enough people that fiercely protected me um, and respected the fact that I didn't want to share it, um, you know, and allowed me to sort of go through my paces until I felt comfortable to do so. You know, it's so great to hear. I mean, you know, the, the word family, I, I don't know what that word necessarily meant before the Sopranos came on. But I feel like after the Sopranos has come on, obviously it means, you know, the, it was a story about a family mm-hmm. um, and then the quote unquote family, the mafia. And then to know that you guys treat each other like a legit family and, you know, a lot of cast mates and things and, and, and they'll say that they'll use that word super loosely. And, um, but when it comes down to it, maybe some people are here, not there. They're in different parts of points in their career. And it it definitely makes me feel good. And it and it helps the show um, seem that much more, I don't know, le- legitimate. I, I don't know if, the, if that's the right word, but knowing that it really was a family, you know, in so many senses of the word, in the most senses of that word. In in the in the sense that the respect and like you could count on these people right like were we like talking all the time like maybe rob and i yeah and we hung out and stuff but like the fact that like you could you know you could pick up the phone and call any of those people and they'd be like what do you need where do you need me to hide the body literally which is what a family is right like i i you know yeah i have family that i don't talk to on the regular but if i needed something they're there you not know? without a question would don't do you agree well, i mean it's it's crazy it's and, people and like, you talk to every day you can't trust yeah <laughs> and then Oof. like but like like you said how like genuine james was he my manager i forget if it was after he passed away or when my manager told me but he's like yeah james would call me and ask about you and tell me not to tell you yeah that i'm asking about you and he would ask things like how much am I paying for rent? Because he wanted to make sure like the amount that I'm paying for rent was okay with how much I was making or like my family, my friends. And like, he would, he would call him up and he would ask him about shit like this. And like you said, how it's not like that, like outwardly, like we love each other so much and we care about you and we're there for you. And that, 
bullshit where it's more so like he's doing things that I didn't even yeah. know about, you know? And like when you talk about not talking to people, it's like when when you when it's so weird because like when you work with your friends, it's such a different thing because it's like if I don't make a plan to see my friend then in my in your head it's like well then I'd never see him again you know what I mean where like with us it was like you're like oh but you didn't speak to them for a month it's like yeah but I know yes I'm seeing them and because it was like yeah we worked together for however eight nine months Mm -hmm. together and then we would have all the press award shows or the press or everybody so it was like we're always getting together so you don't necessarily feel that need of like oh shit it's been a week since I've spoken to James or Jamie or this person it's more like it, and and Sopranos was such a big part of our lives because it's like every day you're walking down the street in New York City, somebody's gonna you know. So it's like it's it's constantly present. It was magical. Like, it was, a, and I think that's what I meant when I said, "Ugh, to just go back in that time too for a week," because it was such a magical time of like the security of knowing that we always had each other, we would always see each other, we were growing with these characters, we were growing with these stories, some, being part of something that you were really proud of. Mm-hmm. Like I think that's probably a lot of what I meant too. Was not just like, oh, if I could go back with what I knew now, but like. Oh, what a special, magical moment in time of just of all of that, all of the experience that it was like for it's not about like that we were on Sopranos, but it was just like all the things that we got to do with people that were special, that we loved and respected. It was always fun. And it was all new. I think because when people ask, like, what was the magic of the show? I always think like it was all people from New York, which I think for some reason helped a lot. But also I think. There was nobody who was a huge star when the show started. So it wasn't like, you know, where everybody's hitching their ride on this person or this person. It's like everybody was just happy to be there. This is what I mean, besides me and uh, maybe Jamie, like this is what everyone had worked their whole lives to do to get this door to open where it's like you're on a successful show. And like I remember, do you remember David Chase called us all for a meeting and there were like literally all of us were sitting around a table and then Aida was like on the phone, like on the on the speaker thing. And David was like, you know, that they want us to do another season or another two seasons or whatever. And he's like, but I want to take a year off. And and he told us that. And he's like, what do you think? And there was a fucking parade in my head. Like it was like there was somebody walking down Main Street throwing a fucking stick up in the air and girls kicking. And I was like, I have a year to hang, because you know, people are like, when you do the Sopranos, you lost your childhood. And it's like, no, I was 12 when it started. And it's not so much I lost my childhood, but when you're that age, like 13, 14, and kids are like, we're going to summer camp. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to work. And like, yeah, listen, it was the fucking best show ever. It was the best experience of my life. But when you're 13 in your head, you're like, I'm missing camp, you know, or like, I'm missing this thing, or oh my God, my friends, or you would hear these stories from your friends when you're, you know, 15 years old about, you know, blah, 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 lost their virginity in the park last week. And we <laughs> did this and, we, you know, we were just, somebody brought up a, 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 a keg that they stole from a bar and, and you're hearing these stories and you're like, oh my God, you know, and I got to experience a lot of great stuff like that too. But like, I remember when he said, is it okay with everyone if we take a year off? It was like the greatest thing. And I remember like you and Edie and everybody and Lorraine instantly was like, oh my God, what are we going to work on? When did on that now? happen? And, when was that? Do it you was know? Between, it was between three and four. Seasons. Or four and five. And I remember between like- Between three and four. Edie and Lorraine and you guys afterwards literally sitting there talking and Edie being like, I want to do Broadway. Like I want to do, and everybody's talking about what they want to do. And I'm like, 
I want to drink from right now until a year from now when we all meet. Like, I literally, all I want to do is hang out with my friends, be an idiot, which I was already doing on, on the time off. But it was like... It, it was like it was like how those kids felt in Willy Wonka when they opened up the fucking chocolate bar and there was that golden ticket in there. It was like, this is it. Like, because, you know, like people looked at the Sopranos who, who were had been working their whole life as an actor and they booked Sopranos as the thing. Yeah. Where for yeah. me, it was like when I heard about that year off, I was like, this is the thing. Like, this is the big yeah. fucking moment in my life. Like, I have a year to just... Be an idiot. I know. And the biggest part was I know I'm coming back to a job. Of course. And the security. And this so it's like I literally have this year in my life to just. And, you know, when you're a kid, you don't feel free. You know what I mean? You don't feel that freedom. of the. And it was the first time where I was like I and it was probably also the first time where like like I remember with my friends, us all making jokes about each other, about how poor we were. And, you know, like I grew up fucking real poor. And um and then I remember all of a sudden, like 14 or 15, it was actually a joke speaking about Rex. It was a joke I made about Rex. Uh, he got he got a North Face jacket. And I remember like for our crew, that was a fucking big deal. Like a North Face jacket was like. A hundred something bucks. I think it was like three. Oh, really? Hun- yeah, because remember it came with like the fleece inside. Like I think it might have been even like five or six hundred. Yeah. And Rex was wearing his dad's fisherman coat up until then i remember there were like holes in the pockets and we all made jokes and i remember this was the first time where like i made a joke about how expensive it was or whatever and like i kind of got shit from my crew like my friends of like oh you think you're better than us or you made fun of you made fun of him because it was expensive and he couldn't have yeah like i'm like oh he's gonna need that jacket because there's gonna be no heat in the apartment for (laughs) you know however long because it was like a really fucking expensive thing and i remember like normally where that would have just been like another because all we did was make fun of each other you know and i remember like do that don't you you just jab it especially new york guy you know like it's just a fucking thing and it was like i remember making that you would have made that joke whether you were on the show or not yeah Yeah, Yeah, and i remember like and in my head i'm also still poor you know what i mean because i can't touch my money i'm like you know 14 or 15 or whatever it was and i remember like his sister who like his family's like my family and i remember like she was kind of mad at me because somebody told her what i said and i'm like oh wait i'm not fucking rob who's fucking broke anymore and i can't make that joke because i have money that i can't even touch so it's like even my friends think i have money and like but the funny thing was was my friends knew i didn't have money because my friends would see like how much money we put our fucking money together. Like, okay, we have enough money to buy fucking this much weed and this much fucking beer tonight. Or I could, we could split a fucking pack of cigarettes or this. And like, I remember that that was one of the first things in my head where I was like, Oh, something's changed. You know, like I was like, I have to now what I have to watch what I say because people think I have this money that I don't even have because mm-hmm. I, I can't, I don't know. It so was you just, couldn't touch your money till you were 18. Yeah, I think there was like a small amount that you were allowed to touch or whatever. But I remember just like up until I was, I don't know how old. I don't want to make it up and it's wrong and I sound like an idiot. But I would yeah. say up until definitely at least like 16, uh, like my, I would have like, you know, $10 a day from my mom or whatever. And then I would like try and like eat and do everything at home. So then like on, you know, I would try to save up like 30 or 40 bucks. And then it's like, all right, we put 10 bucks. So, cause we we're smoking like terrible weed at the time. So you'd get like a huge bag of weed for like 20 bucks. So like you split that with somebody, this guy Rasta, and he would just come with like the, the hugest bags of like terrible weed. And, um, and then you try and have enough for like, 
certain amount of beer or people chip in and try and get like a bottle of something and like you sit and you drink in the park. But like, yeah, I remember like, I don't know, like, I don't even know what age, because I wasn't like my 18th birthday all of a sudden, because I, like I, I said, I moved out to my first apartment and it was like six, 700 square feet, like super, you super small. Mostly. Yeah. And I'm trying to remember when the time was where. Uh, I feel like you started spending a little bit money, a little bit of money, which by the way, let me backtrack for a minute. I think it was between season four and five now that I'm thinking about mm. it, that year break. But I think like towards the end like, cause I just remember like wrap gifts. I remember you bought me like this beautiful pair of earrings that I still have. Like you were starting to spend a little bit more money towards the end. No, you know what? I wasn't at all. That was the most money I had ever spent on anything in my entire life. Are you serious? My earrings? I bought my mom. I still wear them I, all the time. I bought my mom a car. Uh, what kind of car? Uh, Pathfinder. I forget how old I was. If I was like 18 or 19. Your earrings were the second most expensive thing oh besides that God. car I ever bought in my life. Oh and my to this God. day, I've never spent that much on myself. I got you a watch. Yeah, you got me a Cartier. Yeah. Like sick, sick watch. And yeah. then, and I, because uh, I remember I reached out to your friend, uh, Carly, Carly, right? Yeah. And I was like, I got to get Jamie like the best gift. Like, Aww, what should I get her? You know, so and sweet. What is, like, because I've never. I don't know. I've never like had a car, so I've never made like or a house, so I've never made that big. Yeah. Per have have you made like big besides like your house or a car? Have you made other like big purchases or like dumb purchases? Yeah, I made like, a terrible investment. Yes, yeah, I love to hear that. Oh, <laughs> what? Like uh, maybe three or four years ago? No, Bo was baby. Bo was a baby. So he's six now. So it was five years ago, five and a half years ago. My dad's friend was telling me about this great company he's investing in. It's going to be something similar to Instagram and blah, blah, blah. And I put in $100,000. Never seen it again. Mm -hmm. But we could be sitting here with the fucking Snapchat co fucking chair you know what i mean totally. but but i mean more so i don't know like if i'd a, be sitting here to be honest I have <laughs> oh shut up of course damn it of I'm course kidding. You're, I'm uh, you'd be doing a podcast about finance we would just be we would Investing. be sitting somewhere that's for sure what what did you i, I mean more like a purchase right 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 have you uh like, asides from homes yeah yeah a home shouldn't count right no see i'm not like a shoe and bag jewelry gal i bought myself a rolex Mm-hmm. That's uh, um, yeah, I hear those are nice. They're pretty nice. <laughs> it's 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 an investment. That's mm -hmm. what I hear. That watches in real estate. That's what I always investment. say when I buy something nice for myself. I go, it's an investment. Yeah. That's I what I said. only if it's watched. I bought a Spider-Man comic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That We got to okay. know. Castle's got some good ones, right? See, this is the stuff I'm looking for. No, yeah. <laughs> what stupid shit you've spent money on? Oh, I, I, I mean, one of the first things I, I bought when I got money was a expensive car but that's because i like cars mm -hmm. and i was still renting at the time i didn't buy my house for another like year yeah after that, but uh i bought i have a very small and modest comic book collection except for the first spider-man i have first appearance spider-man which which set me back <laughs> when i bought it it was like 13 grand but mm. but what? just so you know as an investment that shit's like twenty grand now, and I've had what? it for a few years. Maybe I don't four understand. years. Well, just about, okay, Jamie. Just imagine for a second how popular <laughs> Spider-Man is, right? Okay. Everyone knows. Okay. You go to Mozambique, 
you you everyone knows you them. ask them who Spider Man yeah. is, they'll know. They'll go, and there's that all that. Everything you've seen I about you just Spider-Man, did the fingering motion, but yeah, yeah, yeah. that's no, that's no, shooting he's, the web. He's shooting this is web me right erotically, there. yeah, erotically Got shooting it. a web. Uh, I was like, all, why would they do that? Everything you know about Spider-Man started in one book, one comic book from 1962, which lies in Catholic Amazing <laughs> Fantasy <laughs> number 15, and it was almost like a. You know, it, it was a series of books that Stan Lee was doing that weren't selling the Amazing Fantasy series. And they changed the name from like Amazing Something to Amazing Fantasy. Book 15, he was like, these aren't selling. I'm going to throw a character out there that I, uh, I, I, I'm I never going to put in a, like a real comic book. It's just kind of a shot in the dark. So they put the Spider-Man character Amazing in. Amazing Spider-Man. And... Um, it, it wasn't even called Amazing Spider-Man. It was just Amazing Fantasy 15 introducing Spider-Man, you know? And they didn't know how well books were selling until weeks, if not months later, because it was the 60s and they would get the newsstand uh, reports and they'd be like, this sold however many. So they didn't even know it was a hit until months later. And then they were like, oh, this sold more than any of our other comic books in the last few years. Let's spin them off into his own comic book series. But Spider-Man, everything we know about him started in one book, 11 page, 11 panel comics uh, book, and your boy has it. <laughs> and I spent, a lot, I spent some cash on it. But it's an investment, and it's gone up. So that's my... That's when, my at what point are you going to sell it? I don't think I'll sell that one. I have other ones I would sell. This one, How I feel like... How many do you have? I have a few. I have, uh, I have maybe 15 decently priced. Okay. None, none that are that expensive. Okay. Um, but that one, there's like, you know, a couple thousand of those in the world, you know, there's, so they're like limited and, uh, I'll, you know, by the time I'm old, I'll pass it on to my kid and he'll sell it for fucking like VR goggles. I don't know what, what'll happen. Has it gone up a lot in these last couple of years because yeah. of like the Avengers shit that's It's gone up on. like 10 grand since and I got Stan it. Stan Lee passed away. Stan Lee passed away and Steve Ditko who, um, drew the first Spider-Man. Um, so I do things like that. I, I buy things and I have like an old vintage, uh, Airstream in my backyard. Um, you know, I, I, I do, I do like to do things like that. Just lately I spent some money on shoes, which I think are dumb and not worth it. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not one of those guys. I like to spend things on like health and like things that make me feel better. Good food is always money on food, massages, Facials, yeah. Although that's facials, like maybe maybe every other month. See, I'm food. I spend so much money on yeah, because I, I try and food. eat like super healthy. But you know what I've been thinking about since we just <laughs> so I love like we were saying like what's the embarrassing shit that's happening? We should talk about that kind of shit. Uh, we just do an embarrassing show. Oh, for sure. I want every show to be at least like that's my career. Ten minutes of embarrassing <laughs> shit. Yeah, the uh, except, except for what you're doing you're right now. Me out of my show. This is the only non-embarrassing part of Casim's career, mm-hmm. right, Casim? This is the peak. Yeah. The so <laughs> the welcome. Because talking about embarrassing shit, oh, and also the sending Jamie a picture. I remember one time you were dating this guy. And we're at a party or whatever, and he pulled me aside and he's like, listen, uh, you know, I want to do something really nice for Jamie for Christmas. He's like, so I want to get her a picture of you guys and frame it 
And I don't even know if you know this story, Jamie. I have no idea. I, I want to get you. I want right to get you. A, I want to get her a picture of you guys, and I want to frame it, and I want to make it really nice, and she could put it in her room, and I know she would love it. And you know, he's like, I put a lot of thought into this, and it, and I'm like, wow, that is really nice. Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, of course, you know. So I go home and I forget like uh, what stage Google was at now. If like I could just Google pictures or what, but no, I started going through like I had pictures of me and Jamie and all this stuff. And I'm looking at like, what's the best? And I'm like, oh, should I, do, you know, do I print this out or I sound like, you know, you know what, I'll, I'll email to him and then I'll let him know that I have these and whatever. So I get the email together. I'm like, all right, here's, you know, the best ones. And I'm like, this is, there's kind of two different vibes too. Like here's me and Jamie, uh, just hanging out like us being us and then I'm like here's us like on set here's us in the fucking red carpet like here's the whole thing and uh he called me and he's like yeah uh he's like when I said you guys <laughs> I didn't mean you and Jamie I meant the whole like <laughs> like like here's all, me and Jamie on the, yeah, the Alps yeah, here's and, a, we're climbing and, Mount Kilimanjaro <laughs> here we're scuba diving Oh, this one, we're on a camel. We're, we're riding yeah, over the... We delivered a baby <laughs> seal. Yeah, and, I'm like, and, I, and I just That's fucking, all my boyfriend wants is pictures of me and Rob all Yeah, I know, and in my head, I'm like, what a douche of me to not fucking think that... It, and then, like, Aww. I remember he was like, I meant, like, you know, all, all of you guys, like, this... And I'm like, so yeah, 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 of, of course. Like, that was just the first email of many emails <laughs> of pictures of all, all the people from Sopranos, you know? And I felt like... Like <laughs> such a fucking douche. Oh my god! That's an easy <laughs> mistake to make. Yeah, oh, and I remember. That's so sweet. I don't think this ever happened though. Did he ever? Get, I don't think this was a present I got. I don't know what after that. I think I was just like abort. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm fucking out. I don't want any. Like all, I'm just like I need a drink. <laughs> I need a fucking tequila on the run because I felt like such. Because like I remember him asking me that and feeling the kind of like you know even though you're older than me like that like big brother responsibility yeah. Like, yeah and also like this thing that we're gonna kind of like do together and he's gonna get you this like great gift and a frame and you're gonna love it forever and it's gonna be this picture of me and Jamie and then and then he was like um. Yeah, you know, he's like, this is not what I. You kind I of always fucking... did act like my big brother. I remember like random guys I was like slightly dated, whatever. And like we would be in a club and I'd text Rob like we were there and he would show up not sober. And I'd, be, <laughs> I'd see him like pull the guy aside and be like, oh, fuck. Yeah. Oh, what fuck. would you say? And I'd see him like getting in their face. I never know. I mean, I only assume what. Listen, let me tell you. Something. I don't know. You know, I, I think like. He was being wonderful, but like, you know, he was um, like my big brother. Um, my own brothers didn't do that for me. Mm. Do you have it. older brothers? I had to. My oldest brother passed away. Uh, next month will be five years uh, ago. Sorry to hear. He loved Rob. He yeah. loved Rob. Uh, and, but yeah, neither of them were protective of me at all. Mm. At all. I just, you know what it is too? It's like, because like with all the guys on set and all that kind of shit like I never had to be protective of Jamie because everybody was whatever but like when it was just me and Jamie I felt the responsibility of everyone on set Aww. so like the 10% that Tony Sirico would be you know protective over you and then James and then the, and then like all those percentages I felt like like and then I was like 10% when it was like we're in Jersey or we're doing right. this or whatever where like 
once they were all gone, it was just me and you were out at a club. This I'm like, okay, this is all me. You know, also like, too like post divorce, it was like, oh. Look at Jamie getting a little saucy. Look ah. at Jamie dancing with some dudes. Look at Jamie making out with somebody. Like that was like net. Like for the first seven years you knew me, I was like in a relationship basically, or for living sure. at my parents' house. So, because I met my ex husband when I was nineteen years old, so I was like very like sheltered. And I also remember like how much the divorce affected you, and how like upset you were, and how that. But also like I appreciated some of your boyfriends after who were actually the boyfriends who people didn't like because they were the opposite of your ex-husband yes. meaning like yes. your ex-husband was like i i love her and i like trying to be with like the fucking sword and the shield and i would fucking kill a dragon for her and i would do this and I, and then like i remember like and i'm not i don't want to okay. i don't even know if Go this is going it. too far okay. or whatever Never but i remember it. at your wedding looking at him on the altar crying like hysterically yeah. and i was like mm, yeah. like i just had a horrible i mean Don't i also you love when you get divorced and everyone's like never <laughs> liked him i'm like where the fuck was everybody yeah. yeah but also like i because in my head i'm like that's not me I saying i don't like him for Jamie or whatever. I just remember seeing that and being like, like, you know, I was also like, uh, what you were, how old when you got married? 22. So you were Yeah. So 18. I was 17, 18. I was also like drinking, taking a pill. Like, I'm like, oh, this fuck it, you know, like man up. What are you crying up there? <laughs> you know, like I, I had that kind of attitude. It wasn't so much like, uh, Jamie, we should talk like a, that, but like I, because he was so like, I love Jamie. Uh, Jamie's the greatest that then afterwards when you would date guys who were more like quiet yeah. or like n weren't outwardly like I love Jamie Jamie's so amazing those would be the guys where I'm like yeah Jamie you should stay with that guy yeah you know yeah. just be but we're which is dumb because yeah this guy barely likes guy, you Jamie every other yeah. guy I've ever been with has basically been like that yeah well, I, because it's like you don't need like doing that type of stuff doesn't mean that that's exactly how you feel yeah, I, I remember you don't it's like anyone who's saying how smart they are isn't the smartest person in the room I'd say if you put together everyone Jamie's ever dated, maybe one of them was my height or shorter. So like anybody I ever was like getting in their face, they were usually bigger, like whatever dudes. But in my head, I was always drunk. And I mean, I was drunk, but in my head, you it was no always care. like, I remember particular spots. Like I remember being at our Even friend Lizette's place. I remember uh, being at, yeah, even at, at a restaurant. And I remember... Yeah, kind of getting in guys' faces and being like, if you fucking hurt her, I'll kill you. You know, like that kind of... You know, you got, you've got tall walls to scale as, as, as your friend, but when, when we get over that wall, we are protected. We are yes. in the Rob Fortress. Yes. Yeah, and when I was, when I was drinking, like I think we spoke about this before, was like I felt like the way you express love and from my childhood was like, I'd kill for you. You know, like that was your like that was like we're best friends because I'll kill. Where now it's like you know I think we we spoke about this right yeah yeah where it's like now it's the opposite it's like I would I love you so much I would want to get you out of harm's way and get me out of harm's way so we could live a happy life together <laughs> let's you know both be safe yeah let's both be safe and happy where like back in the day it was like here hold my drink you know like yeah. I'm fucking we're going in and and I was never like a a tough guy but it's more so like. When you're, you know, when you're drinking that much, but when you're making yourself feel like shit every morning and it's like, I've, I've been jumped before. I've been knocked out before. It didn't hurt close to my worst hangovers. 
And I did those to myself, you know? Like, wow. I always... I I remember, like, one time I was at a club. Uh, I got jumped by, like, who knows, four plus, maybe, like, six people or whatever. And I remember, like, ten minutes <laughs> or later... Or whatever. Like, ten minutes later, I was in the office. It was our friend's place. And, and uh, I was drinking, like, a bottle of vodka. And I was like, yeah, just as long as they're gone. Like, I'm just going to go back to the dance floor and... Whatever, like where, like I remember, I had a hangover in Vegas one time, and I, by hangover I mean up for three days. We're at the fucking strip club. We're taking all the pills. We're do, we're doing everything, and I probably didn't eat for three days. Zero water in three days, nothing, and then you sleep for sixteen hours. You're in the fucking desert, and I remember waking yeah, up jerky, and like, Rob. Yeah, and I dehydrated rem- Robert. I've never ever thought about um, suicide really before like as a real like contemplating it because I'm so miserable because I'm so depressed but I remember that day being like I can't do this like I remember being like I can't because I woke up and like took painkillers and I was like oh it'll go away and then like waiting more and I probably had three or four like this but one stands out so much in Vegas where I was like I don't know how I'm going to get through the next 48 hours because you're just like you're throwing up and it's like tar like it's just this black that's like an ayahuasca fucking journey yeah and i just remember like with none of the discovery yeah none of the neon grid (laughs) and it was just so because i would smoke six packs of cigarettes during that whole time or however many packs of cigarettes and you're just fucking my my whole i was just living on tequila molly that whatever it was like fucking ketamine sometimes that and like i remember i don't i i just I remember being in front of the toilet and just fucking, th- and I would never throw up drinking, like drunk. It was always hungover. And I just remember fucking a black toilet bowl. Like it was just black and you're throwing up fucking, if anybody's eating breakfast, I'm sorry, but it's throwing up yeah. bile and just all this stuff. And then, and then like you're getting back to your bed and you have the thought of like, okay, well, I think I just threw up the painkillers. So now I have to take more <laughs> painkillers oh to get back. God. And then, like, you can't eat, you know? Like, you're like, oh, in my head, like, I'm going to eat. I'm going to order, like, chicken fried rice or something. And then I would, like, start eating. And then you're like, okay, I just have to throw up or, like, the acidity. Or the, and it was just, like, you know, I probably had thousands of hangovers. But I remember there were somewhere. And, like, so what my point was is when you're making yourself feel this bad mm-hmm. to then think of, like, this guy might punch me in the face. It's like, ah! Like who right. fucking and also the fact of like do your worst pal yeah and also like listen my dad's a fucking good dude whatever but my dad threw me a couple beatings uh, as a kid and I'm sure I deserved some of them whatever but like when I it sounds crazy to say but like I almost think it's a good thing uh, when you have something like that in your life because like my dad was four five six times the size of me throwing me some beatings where like. Uh, then when I would see a guy who was like six inches taller than me and someone's like, whoa, that guy's bigger than you. You're going to, it's like, Pah! like, what do you mean that guy? So what, what is he going to do? He's not going to fucking, you know? So like, yeah, I had been like, you know, I've been knocked out. I've been jumped. I never got like, like a, you know, when these guys go through like a five round MMA beating and they looked like fucking, you know, as worked as possible and should go to the hospital. I never got it that bad. Like I've definitely had like bumps and bruises and bloody in this, but, uh, well, damn it. Now your biggest problem is, you know, what time Whole Foods closes, I feel like. Yeah. You, and like just... <laughs> like you said, with sneakers, like, oh, can I get the softest yeah. sneakers? And it's my, <laughs> like, you know, is my memory foam fucking mattress that, you know, it's such a crazy. That's good. I mean, it's it's a journey. It's a heck of a journey. And glad you made it through to the other side. Yeah. And, I, you know, like when, when we look back at the Sopranos premieres, 
um, three of my friends who I brought to the Sopranos premieres are dead. Whoa. Are so dead? it's like, yeah, That's are dead. All, all before the age of, you know, I'm 34. They were all, they've all been dead for a while or like younger than me or that. But it's like, Rob, what? guys who it easily could have been me, you know? And I literally, like, I remember when I went to the doctor and the doctor said to me, like, this is not good. Like, I, after the last time I drank, I was to my 28th birthday. And he was like, this is not good. Like, you're extremely unhealthy. And he's like, somehow your liver's fine. He's like, which I don't know how the fuck that's possible. But he's like, yeah, you're, you're fine, whatever. And I remember going home and literally sitting there and for like an hour, no TV, no nothing, and being like, do I want to live for 40 or 50 more years to what I thought would be like a fucking boring bullshit life or whatever and be like everyone else? Or... Do I want to live for the next five or ten years and just fucking do what I'm doing and go out in a fucking blaze of glory? And, ju- and like, I finally remember making this the, the decision of just being like, I'll take the 40, you know, or the 50 or like whatever. <laughs> yeah, I guess and, I'll live. Be, because because I, I remember thinking it's going to suck. And then it took... Uh, of, of probably a month or two before I realized like, oh, this doesn't suck. You know, this is great. Like, it's crazy to wake up in the morning and feel good. Like, I thought that didn't exist. Like, I swear. Like, I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, I woke up every morning for, you know, from the time I was probably 14, 15, up until I was 28, where it was just like, I felt like trash. I felt like shit every time where I was either you know smoking many packs of cigarettes i would never drink uh the night before that we would work mm-hmm. i never ever you never, never ever showed up ever ever anything but perfect at work well one time uh, my <laughs> well actually well, twice at least when i was actually there. twice one time you were there another time i don't think what? you were but uh, i'll tell you that these because they're fucking two good stories one is short my 21st birthday i went to vegas well honey yeah i remember that jamie was you and got by, mad at me by the you way yelling at me by the way night how you saw me there and you say like, I can't imagine you. That was all the time. Well, I, the only other time I saw you like that was in Miami. When you, when I told you to come to Miami for new year's and you just got on a plane still oh, drunk yeah. and going out and stayed up again for like another two days. And, and you know, it's like, I don't know if this is very good. And I now. packed wasted yes, and you know yes. how people always say like oh i forgot socks i forgot so i only packed socks <laughs> i opened up my bag when i got to miami and it was like That's 14 was. pairs of socks and a fucking pe- like you That's know a just lot like, of socks yeah i was like yeah i was like yeah. what the hell but um sorry i didn't mean to interrupt you're, oh, you're no, two no, no. times on the set so uh yeah so my my 21st birthday but i think didn't uh my 21st birthday yeah i i, I showed up uh, so i went to uh, Vegas, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We flew home Sunday, and I had to work Monday morning. Oh my god! And I showed up. I had no voice, and they had somebody who had a garbage can around me because I threw up like four times. It was, it was. I, I, I wasn't there. I went to Vegas. No, I, I don't think so. I went to Vegas for Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I, all I ate were dumplings. Yes, uh, at, at night uh, at the dinners we had dinners uh, besides that I ate nothing the whole time and the worst part was on the, the night after my birthday party I woke up in my room alone I couldn't find my keys I couldn't find anything in the room so I remember being like I don't know where my ID is I can't leave the room and there was nothing in the mini bar but somebody as a birthday gift gave me a bottle of vodka 
And I remember like it was like it was a warm bottle of vodka was on the nightstand. And I woke up after partying for fucking 48 hours and I had nothing else. And I was like, okay. And like grabbed the bottle of vodka, started drinking it, started smoking cigarettes. Next thing you know, like an hour later, all my friends are in my room. We're fucking hanging out and we just fucking, you know, kept it going. And uh, because what happened was I took a Xanax. Uh, Did you fly privately? No, no. We flew uh, like JetBlue, like well, me and like uh, 10 friends oh. or whatever. And I remember taking a, a Xanax to get on the plane. And that was a mistake probably. <laughs> you know, uh, I'd but, love to see footage of you on that plane. Well, Jamie, Jamie, had, there's pictures. There's pictures from my 21st yeah, birthday. Anyway, you look so- up pictures from your 21st birthday. He is the color gray. <laughs> Because he's yeah. wearing a white suit, so you have reference of what oh. color white. And my hair is like, soaking wet. Like. <laughs> hair is soaking wet. He's the color gray, and he's yelling at me in every photo. Like, what were you mad at me? Because I wasn't oh. getting wasted, or maybe because I told you to like slow down, and you were like, "What?" Did I-? It was the only time you've ever yelled at me. Only time. No, then we're talking about a different time. Then you're talking about my twenty sixth or seventh birthday. You're talking about my twenty seventh birthday in Vegas. No, I'm not. You were in a white suit. We yeah, do but, a podca- but I a birthday purple. Remember, I yelled at you at my birth because I thought that was the only time I ever yelled at you. Oh, that's another time when I came up. You're right. The, yeah. the two times you've ever yelled at me is in a club in Vegas. But I think the, the that was the when 20, I was Cutter when the, I first started dating Cutter. But the 21st birthday was more fun. The 27th birthday was me being a piece of you shit. Were, no, you were you were actually very angry. At me. Uh, but I was being a piece of shit asshole because I was that was you made me cry. That was the end of my partying. Game. Yeah, like that was yeah. one of the big moments. Like how Kasim said he had those moments where. Like, like I remember that was a moment for me. I forgot about that. Where I was like, thank God, because I fucking think about it every day. No, I'm I like, actually uh, remember crying and being like, is this the end of my friendship with Rob? Yeah, and I remember- I didn't know how me- serious you were or not. I obviously wasn't serious at all, but also the thing was like, I, I had had built up anger towards you over you leaving New York and like shit, nothing you ever did of like, you know, but just like- thinking like you know we're gonna be in new york forever and sopranos and then and then i remember one day jamie was like yeah i'm moving to la and i was just like and i i never would say to you like i don't want you to move to la because whatever but i i didn't and i was so upset about it and then i remember like you calling me and being like hey uh do you happen to be in vegas i'm here and i was like yeah and i was like and it's my birthday and you were like oh happy birthday and i was like yeah i was like so will you come out tonight or whatever and i took Probably 15 mollies by the time that we uh, saw each 15? other. Yeah. And I had I had probably drank like two bottles of vodka or tequila or I don't know. I have a feeling. We're, no, no. Yeah. I had my friend sent me a case of tequila. I was drinking tequila at the house before. Then we got there and I was drinking tequila and I was fucking wasted. And I just remember like it was it was a, like sometimes when you get to a fight, you're like, oh, it's 50, 50 or 90, 10. Or the, I was like, it was 100 percent me being a fucking piece of shit. But like, that's what I, I try and explain sometimes is like people are always like, no, you were fine. But I just remember that one night where you were really drunk. And I'm like, no, that was all the nights. It was like that was just when you saw mm. how it was, you know, and like I was usually like a very happy, like everything's good kind of thing. But it was like when you know, when we got into a fight or we got into an argument, it was like, oh, yeah, well, fight, you know, like, and I was just, I, I, I was a piece of shit. Uh, I'm sorry. 
It's okay. You and I have actually. What we've never been trying to say it. is that Rob, sorry. <laughs> no, but do you want to hear? I actually genuinely forgot about that. We did talk about right it the now. next day because yeah. I reached out to you and I let you know how sorry. Like immediately, first thing when I woke up, like how sorry I was. Also, but also, uh, you know, like it, it really was there. I did have. I, I was still at that age where like. There were like when you grow up in New York City, it's like all your best friends are like four fucking blocks away, you know, and like I always had you in New York and this and there definitely we was. We hadn't been have talking as much. I totally. Yeah. Guess. And there was definitely like an anger I had towards you or a thing of like Jamie doesn't fucking love me mm-hmm. or whatever. She left. She's doing her fucking life in California now and yeah. and whatever. And, you know, that's like what I talked about earlier with like my best friend Rex is like, I hope he never feels like that like and and doesn't tell me of like and i know you grow up you have to do your own thing whatever but like i i hope and now that i'm older i can understand it's like you can fucking go to the other side of the country and still love someone just mm-hmm. as much and and want to be part of you could want to be there and but you you're here also in this and uh yeah we spoke about it the next day i told you how horrible i felt and then me and you went on vacation together in saint martin and i and that was the first night that i had met where you took one of those photos that you should have right gave after I had a baby. Yeah. yeah. And <laughs> I, I remember that was the first time I met Cutter was the night when I was drunk. So his impression of me is like, oh, this guy's a fucking well, drunk, yeah, lunatic yelling asshole. Yeah. yeah. And and he didn't know me at the time. So he could he didn't say anything. Like I, I remember. And I remember going to him and say Martin and I pulled him aside and I was like, dude, I just want to let you know. And I was so I had been gotten sober yeah. at, at the time. And I got sober. Like I really didn't have that many like uh, th- that night with me and you was one of those things in my life where it was like, now you're fucking mm. out of control. You know, like it's like it's like you to do it to Jamie to because like, you know, there's friends where you're like 90 percent of the time you're a fucking great friend. 10 percent of the time it's like you are 100 percent everything I could ask for besides obviously fucking being in New York, which is not, you know, yeah. something that well, it's a whole different thing. But like you have always been the perfect friend the best you're like you know like the times that you told me we're like family and 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 i feel the same anything i would do anything for you and then like just to think that i could ruin something like that in my life or or even not even ruin it but just have a little doubt in your mind of like oh that's how rob really feels or this is the type of person he really is it bothered me so much Mm. so like it, it it was one of those things where like i and Rex, who was my best friend, had flown out to Vegas for my birthday, and he knew, like, he was there, and he was like, oh, dude, I'm sorry, like, you know, because he felt, he understood where I was, where I was just like, I didn't mean any of it, I, 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 I fucking, you know, whatever, and, uh, I, but I, I remember Cutter saying that to me, like, I don't know him, but he didn't mean it, because right. I was, I was, I was upset, yeah, because and, I'd never been, like, I'd never you would never talk to me that way. Yeah, no, like, like at at my my twenty first birthday, it was probably yelling, but like funny. Yes. this was where I was like, and I remember I grabbed Cutter in St. Martin, and I pulled him aside, and I was like, dude, I'm so sorry that that had to be our first meeting. Like, I hope you know, like, I love Jamie so much, and then and he was just so cool about it, like, you know, yeah, awesome. And then the next day, you came to me and like hugged me, and you were like, you know, Cutter told me that, blah blah blah, but. Uh, to, to put a, a lighter spin on things, the other time I, sh- I was drunk at work, we, um, so we, we would do scenes a lot where it was like six of us and you're around a dinner table and then all of a sudden like you have your close-ups and everybody's, there's a lot of focus on you. But we had this one scene where I, f- I think it was Long Island because you had your car, Jamie. So I think we were out on Long Island and 
uh, it was a wedding scene. So there's 300 people in it. So for, you know, let's say our day is from 6 a.m. until midnight, right? So what is that, 18 hours? For those 18 hours, you're being used maybe an hour, mm -hmm. like the camera's on you. So everybody's kind of like, when we were all together, like that many people, it was great. Like you're having such a good time and everybody's laughing. And I remember at around uh, 11 or so, somebody said, hey, there's this bar that they said they'll close down and they'll have as many of us as want to come. So I'm like, okay, great. And we're all staying at the same hotel, which is a block away from the, the bar. It's like, it's like the dream, you know? So I'm like, okay. So uh, there's, you know, I might've had a friend who kept a bottle of Jaeger in the hair makeup trailer hidden. And as soon as we wrapped, it was like, okay, bang, you know, take a couple shots of Jaeger. Uh, we get, I'm probably maybe 20, 21 ish. Uh, and we get, so we get to the bar and all of a sudden, like every time the fucking door opens, it's more better, pe you know, it's like the bet you're like, oh, this person's here. The do you, were you there, Jamie? Yeah. Yeah. So Jamie comes, everybody, like, it's like, you know. Remember my brother was living in that town. He had an apartment. Really? Long Island. Yeah. So it was like, you know, uh, Steve Shrib or, you know, Michael Imperioli, this person, everybody's coming in. So I got behind the bar and I started bartending. So I'm making fucking these shots and we're having a fucking good time and everybody's laughing. And like normal people around 2 a.m., people start to like, you know, filter out and go home. And uh, so now the sun's up <laughs> and I'm still fucking behind the bar and I'm making shots. And there's very few mm. of us uh, left, you know, or say it's like five in the morning or something, six in the morning. And I remember uh, we walked, we did the walk back to the hotel and I kept drinking in my room and I, I had, I mean, every time I made a shot for people, I would take one with them. Mm. Right. So it was, it was a good six hours of that probably. And, uh, get back in the room. I'm still drinking. We're hanging out. And I remember, um, I go to sleep and the next day I wake up to Jeff Marchetti, who is uh, a friend of ours who worked on the show. He did like set dressing. So like mm -hmm. designing all the sets and stuff like that. And he was kind of like the mascot of the show, right? Like he yeah. was like the crazy cousin of this. And he would always be down for like, yeah, we're going to hang out, whatever. So I remember waking up and he's shaking me like furiously, like, like, and I'm like, what, what's the problem? He's like, it's fucking noon. Mm. Like, he's like, everybody was, you know, whether we had eight or 9am call time, he's like, and there's so many people, there's 300 people that they just didn't realize that you didn't show up. And somebody came to me and let me know to come get you and I'll fucking drive you in and you get ready real quick. And it'll be like, you'd never, you know, but it's, it was okay because the, the shot wasn't on me. Like nobody knew. And so I get to the fucking set and I see, uh, Imperioli and he was in the room next to me. So I'm like, yo, I'm like, you couldn't wake me up like to, to, to go to work, you know, like our car, we were supposed to get in the same car together. And he goes, I did. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I came in your room and, uh, I, I woke you up. I think he got like the maid or whatever to like, let him into the, the room. And he said, he tried to wake me up for like five minutes. I wouldn't wake up. And he said, finally, I moved. And he's like, I, you turned and you pointed the remote. You were in bed with the remote. And he's like, you grabbed the remote. You pointed it at me and we're just pushing. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess like mute or like whatever. And he's like, I'm not a TV. <laughs> like I'm fucking waking you up. And then, and then he said like, listen, he's like, I tried for another five minutes. And he's like, I just left. He's like, I couldn't, uh, oh. I couldn't get you out of bed. And then. You couldn't mute Michael and. 
Perioli. That's yeah. And then five, uh, or th- I got, so I got to work late and luckily like I run into the hair makeup, they do my fucking, you know, two seconds of whatever. And I, I run onto set and it was like three hours before they, you know, needed me or like the camera was pointing at me. So it was, um, really lucky, but yeah, those otherwise I never let drinking come like in between. It could have been worse. If I had to work on like a Monday, I wouldn't even start drinking on Friday. Like I wouldn't even go out Friday night because I was just like, eh, let me always play it safe and yeah, try and do the right thing. But there were some fun, fun times. Man, I'm sure there's a lot more where that came from. I think that's a good episode. And uh, if you guys have anything you want to say to us or any questions you want to ask, um, ask pajamapants at gmail.com. Do you guys have anything you want to say before we go? Do we call this one, I'm sorry, Jamie? I'm sorry, Jamie. Or <laughs> no. Me and Jamie in the Picanos or Poconos <laughs> or me and Jamie in Fiji. <laughs> I love it. I would love a frame picture of you and me. I'm very, that I'm very happy very we do this. Happy. Now I know what I'm getting both of you for Christmas. <laughs> and I know what I'm getting you for Christmas, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, next episode I want to devote to catching flies. Great. Okay. Oh my God. Can we have special guests, Cutter Dykstra? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see Thank you next time. Thank you.